Welcome. You're listening to Blood Advances Talks. Blood Advances Talks are scholarly review articles that are presented in an audio format and published in the American Society of Hematology's open access journal, Blood Advances. Transcripts for Blood Advances Talks undergo the same rigorous peer review process as all articles published in Blood Advances and can be downloaded by visiting bloodadvances.org. We thank you for listening. Hello, my name is Dr. Noel Chen. I'm affiliated at the Thrombosis and Atherosclerosis Research Institute, McMaster University, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. The title of my talk is Antiplatelet Therapy in the Management of Atherothrombosis, Recent Clinical Advances. I have no conflict of interest to declare. The capacity to prevent atherothrombosis has been enhanced with the following three clinical advances in antiplatelet therapy. First, the shift from clopidogrel to more potent P2Y12 antagonists. Second, the observation that less is more in terms of antithrombotic therapy for patients with atrial fibrillation undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. And third, the finding that the combination of low-dose rivaroxaban plus aspirin is superior to aspirin alone for prevention of recurrent ischemic events in patients with stable coronary or peripheral artery disease. Introduction. Atherothrombosis is initiated by the disruption of atherosclerotic plaques, which triggers the activation of platelets and of the coagulation system and leads to the formation of platelet-rich thrombi that obstruct blood flow. As such, atherothrombosis is the cause of most myocardial infarcts, ischemic strokes, and episodes of acute limb ischemia. Collectively, these disorders cause about 10 million preventable deaths each year. Antiplatelet therapy is a cornerstone for prevention and treatment of atherothrombosis. The commonly used antiplatelet agent inhibits platelet activation induced by important agonists such as thromboxane A2 and ADP. First, aspirin inhibits thromboxane synthesis by irreversibly acetylating platelet cyclooxygenase 1, whereas clopidogrel, prasugrel, and ticagrelor inhibit P2Y12, the major ADP receptor on platelet surface. Although aspirin is a foundation of antiplatelet therapy, it only reduces the risk of cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, and stroke by about 20%. Therefore, aspirin is often combined with a second antiplatelet agent to improve efficacy. First, dual antiplatelet therapy with aspirin plus clopidogrel is more effective than aspirin alone in patients with acute coronary syndrome, particularly those undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. This talk focuses on three recent clinical advances in antiplatelet therapy. First, shift from clopidogrel to more potent P2Y12 inhibitors. Clopidogrel is a thionopyridine prodrug that requires metabolic activation to generate active metabolites that bind covalently to P2Y12, the major ADP receptor on platelets. Compared with aspirin in patients with acute coronary syndrome, aspirin plus clopidogrel significantly reduce major adverse cardiovascular events from 11.4% to 9.3%, a relative reduction of about 20%, and increased major bleeding from 2.7% to 3.7%. Therefore, dual antiplatelet therapy is superior to aspirin alone 
for the prevention of major cardiovascular events in patients with acute coronary syndrome. Recurrent myocardial infarction and stent thrombosis occur despite dual antiplatelet therapy. One potential explanation is the suboptimal inhibition of ADP-induced platelet aggregation that occurs in up to a third of patients given clopidogrel. This limitation prompted the development of prazogrel and ticagrelor, which are more potent P2Y12 inhibitors. In the Triton TIMI38 trial, 13,608 patients with acute coronary syndrome were randomized to receive either prazogrel or clopidogrel. Most patients underwent percutaneous coronary intervention with stent insertion and all received aspirin. At 15 months, the rate of major adverse cardiovascular events was significantly reduced by prazogrel, a relative reduction of 19%. The rate of stent thrombosis was lower with prazogrel than with clopidogrel, a relative reduction of 52%, but the rate of major bleeding was higher, a relative increase of 32%, as was the rate of life-threatening bleeding. Therefore, prazogrel is more effective than clopidogrel in patients with acute coronary syndrome undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention, but is associated with an increased risk of major bleeding. In the PLATO trial, 18,624 patients with acute coronary syndrome were randomized to either ticagrelor or clopidogrel. All patients received aspirin. Most patients underwent percutaneous coronary intervention, 61% weave and 4% without stent insertion. The remainder underwent coronary artery bypass grafting, about 10%, or medical management, 25%. At 12 months, the MACE rate was 9.8% with dicagrelor and 11.7% with clopidogrel, a relative reduction of 16%. The rate of stent thrombosis was lower with dicagrelor than with clopidogrel, a relative reduction of 23%, and the incidence of major bleeding did not differ between the two study groups. However, there was more non-bypass surgery-related bleeding with ticagrelor. Therefore, because prazogrel and ticagrelor are associated with lower rates of major adverse cardiovascular events in patients with acute coronary syndrome than clopidogrel, guidelines now recommend dual antiplatelet therapy with prazogrel or ticagrelor over clopidogrel in such patients. Second, Less is more in a true fibrillation patient undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. Coronary artery disease is common in patients with atrial fibrillation, and those with acute coronary syndrome frequently undergo percutaneous coronary intervention. Anticoagulation is more effective than either aspirin or dual antiplatelet therapy for reducing the risk of stroke. But dual antiplatelet therapy is more effective than warfarin plus aspirin for reducing the risk of stent thrombosis. Consequently, the combination of a vitamin K antagonist such as warfarin and dual antiplatelet therapy, so-called triple therapy, was the standard of care in patients with atrial fibrillation undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. Although effective, triple therapy is associated with a high risk of bleeding. In the WEST trial, 
574 patients with an indication for anticoagulation, atrial fibrillation in 69%, who underwent percutaneous coronary intervention were randomized to dual therapy, that is, vitamin K antagonists and clopidogrel or triple therapy, vitamin K antagonists, clopidogrel and aspirin. At one year, serious bleeding was less frequent with uh, dual therapy than with triple therapy, 6.5% versus 12.7% respectively, a relative reduction of 51%. Although the trial was not powered to detect efficacy differences, the rate of uh, major adverse cardiovascular event was lower with dual therapy than with triple therapy, 11.1% and 17.6% respectively, and the rates of definite stent thrombosis were low in both arms, 0.4% and 1.1% respectively. Therefore, the result of the WEST trial suggested that dual therapy causes less bleeding than triple therapy without compromising efficacy. Subsequent trials have evaluated the safety and efficacy of dual therapy using rivaroxaban or dabigatran in place of vitamin K antagonists. In the Pioneer AF trial, which included 2,124 AF patients undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention, the rates of clinically significant bleeding in dual therapy arm, rivaroxaban 15 mg daily and clopidogrel, was lower than in the triple therapy arm, warfarin, clopidogrel and aspirin. These showed 16.8% and 26.7% rate of clinically significant bleeding, respectively, while the rates of MACE were similar, 6.5% and 6.0% respectively. Likewise, in the regional PCI trial, 2,725 AF patients undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention were randomized to dual therapy with a P2Y12 inhibitor plus dabigatran either the 110 mg or 150 mg twice daily dose, or triple therapy. There was less clinically significant bleeding with both the 110 mg and the 150 mg dose of dabigatran than with triple therapy. Relative reduction of 48% and no significant increase in MACE with dabigatran Therefore, dual therapy is safer than triple therapy for AF patients undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. Trials with apixaban, such as the Augustus trial, and edoxaban, such as the Entrus AF PCI trials, are ongoing and will provide more information about the efficacy and safety of dual therapy. Third, low dose rivaroxaban plus aspirin for prevention of atherothrombosis. Despite single antiplatelet therapy or dual antiplatelet therapy, up to 5% of patients with chronic atherothrombosis and up to 11% of patients with acute coronary syndrome have recurrent ischemic events each year, suggesting that these events are triggered by a stimulus that is not responsive to suppression of thromboxane A2 or ADP pathways of platelet activation. Atherosclerotic plaque disruption exposes tissue factor, which triggers thrombin generation. In addition to converting fibrinogen to fibrin, thrombin is a potent platelet agonist. Therefore, suppression of thrombin generation with rivaroxaban, an oral direct factor 10A inhibitor, 
and platelet activation with aspirin may be better than antiplatelet therapy alone to prevent atherothrombosis. The usual dose of rivaroxaban for stroke prevention in atrial fibrillation is 20 mg once daily. When administered in combination with dual antiplatelet therapy in patients with acute coronary syndrome, a low-dose rivaroxaban regimen, 2.5 mg twice daily, had a better benefit risk profile than a higher-dose regimen, 5 mg twice daily, for prevention of a major adverse cardiovascular event in the ATLAS ACS 2 TIMI 51 trial. The importance of the use of a lower dose of a direct oral anticoagulant in conjunction with antiplatelet therapy is highlighted by the result of the APRAISE 2 trial. The addition of full-dose Pixiban 5mg twice daily on top of dual antiplatelet therapy increased the risk of bleeding in patients with acute coronary syndrome without reducing major adverse cardiovascular events. In the COMPASS trial, 2,700 395 patients with stable coronary artery disease or peripheral artery disease were randomized to rivaroxaban 2.5 mg twice daily with aspirin 100 mg once daily, rivaroxaban 5 mg twice daily, or aspirin 100 mg once daily. The primary efficacy outcome, a composite of cardiovascular death, stroke, or non-fatal myocardial infarction, was significantly lower in the rivaroxaban plus aspirin group than in the aspirin group alone, 4.1% and 5.4% respectively, a relative reduction of 24%. This translates to an absolute risk reduction of 1.3%, a relative risk reduction of 24%, and a number needed to treat of 76 The primary outcome was not significantly lower with rivaroxaban alone compared with aspirin, 4.9% and 5.4% respectively. The rate of major bleeding was significantly higher in the rivaroxaban plus aspirin group than in the aspirin alone group, 3.1% and 1.9% respectively, a relative increase of uh, 70%. Most of the excess bleeds were in the gastrointestinal tract and there was no significant increase in fatal and intracranial bleeds. Despite the increase in bleeding, all-cause mortality was reduced by 0.7% with rivaroxaban and aspirin combination compared with aspirin alone, a relative reduction of 18%. Therefore, the combination of low-dose rivaroxaban and aspirin has clear net benefit for prevention of recurrent ischemic events compared with aspirin alone. Conclusions and future directions. In summary, three recent advances in antiplatelet therapy have improved our capacity to prevent atherothrombosis. First, prasugrel and ticagrelor are superior to clopidogrel for prevention of major adverse cardiovascular events in patients with acute coronary syndrome that are associated with a small increase in the risk of bleeding. Second, the result of the West Pioneer and Regional trials suggests that dual antithrombotic therapy is safer than triple therapy in AF patients undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. Finally, the results of a COMPASS trial provide new opportunity to reduce the burden of atherothrombosis in patients with coronary artery disease or peripheral artery disease. You've been listening to Blood Advances Talks 
Please visit bloodadvances.org for more audio reviews and for information on how to subscribe to the Blood Advances Talks podcast. A full transcript of this podcast can be found online. Music for Blood Advances Talks was performed by the Art Topolo Trio and provided by Dr. Art Topolo. This presentation is copyrighted by the American Society of Hematology. We thank you for listening.